Welcome to Flashlight Podcast, where we aim to shine a light into all your favorite songs through conversations with artists on how music has helped them through dark times. Today, we'll be speaking to Alicia Blue, the Nashville-based singer-songwriter who just released her new EP, Inner Child Work. Hi, I'm Alicia Blue. I am a singer-songwriter from Nashville, and I'm so glad to be here today. I'm curious to start kind of with the obvious going into your your name. So it's Alicia Blue, but Blue is not your actual last name, correct? Correct. Yes, I read in your bio that it was actually coined after your mentor heard your songs for the first time and he asked you what makes you so sad all the time. So being a motive <laughs> is kind of quite central to your image as an artist since it's in your name. And I was kind I was wondering how as you do in your name it's it's right front and center. How do you own your emotions through your music? How do I own my emotions through my music? Well, what's funny is when that happened, I didn't ever define myself as sad and I don't think like you know, my identity is a sad person in lieu of all the other <laughs> human emotions. Yes. But of course, um, sadness isn't everybody. Um, so when he said that, he had heard my voice for the first time and he was like, what, what makes you so sad? And I was just kind of stunned. Like, I, I don't even know that I knew I was sad, right? Like, or am I sad or is that a real, you know, mirror of what you're hearing? I was just a bit thrown back. Um, and I think I, to answer your question, I, I only write songs to, to, uh, own my emotions. I I have no other, I mean, yes, like sure. You know, I'm in the music business now and like, there's things that you could call motivating factors, but I, I always wrote songs to, because I, didn't have tools like a therapist or things like that growing up. Um, I had to write songs to, to organize kind of that chaos of Mm. just, you know, total, (laughs) total, um, unavailability to making sense of what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a way, writing can kind of be that way to work through the emotions yourself. Like, as you said, when you don't have, the external tools to, to help yourself yeah. through something. Did it always start with writing songs or was it first listening to music or, or writing in a different form? How did you get to, to music? It was poetry always first. And it's actually, I still write songs with the lyric first. I always start with the lyric. Um, I, I mean, and, and I mean, I kind of sound rigid when I say that, like, sure, you know, I might come up with a chord progression and just like keep it on the back burner, but like the zest and fire to create a song and have it be, you know, a contender to record always starts with some concept and lyric. Um, sorry, what was your other question? <laughs> I think I just asked about how it got to music, which you, oh, yeah. you answered a bit with starting with poems. So how does that impact then, you started out with poetry, how did that impact your approach to songwriting? It's funny, I was just telling someone, it's once in a while I'll write something that just has to stay a poem and can't be a song. Um, That's always a little frustrating, but also fun and friendly. It's like, okay, cute, this has to stay uh, a poem. It's not, I can't compromise. um, Because to create a song, there's 
there's a lot of like shaving off and rhyming and what we call like prosody, which is like rhythm and then word texture. And, you know, like when something has good prosody, it's like really easy to sing and it works in the music, right? Like the lyric. But when you have a poem, you don't have to worry about that. So there's way more to consider when you're writing a song um, with the lyric. And so, yeah, once in a while, something will have to stay a poem. Um, and, uh, yeah. Is that ever frustrating when it has to stay a poem or is it kind of, it's nice in a way, in a way? It's like twofold. It is at first, right. Cause I'm like, I'm a songwriter. That is like where all my energy goes first before, you know, publishing a book of poetry. Although that's like also something I'm working on, but, um, yes, it is frustrating, but it's also kind of this like super friendly, cute moment with the, the poet in me. And it's like, okay, great. This will be, you know, in the poetry book. And it's like, that's also part of me. And like, it's almost just like a little revisiting with that part in that moment, which is always exciting. It's like, Oh, still there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It speaks a lot to your artistry to kind of have this poetry book with stories forming on one side while you're still creating music on the other, the other end. Uh, do your poems ever, I, they could almost work in conversation with some of your music, the book alongside any music work that you would be putting out. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a, a dream and a goal. And I think like right now I'm just focused on getting the record kind of like up and going and have like legs of its own. So, because I feel like the reason why I chose to kind of put my eggs in the basket of music and songwriting is I love the short form that a song has with just regular people. And I feel like poetry doesn't have those same kind of legs, um, which is fine. It sometimes stays, you know, in academia or in schools or, you know, but I really wanted to, when I decided to, because the the dream was originally to like, I'm going to be a famous poet one day. Right. I really wanted like a kid like me who grew up in the suburbs with, you know, like suburban angst and sadness to be spoken to. And I don't feel like poetry books are always the vehicle for your everyday kid. And like, I really wanted to, to use that vehicle. And like, that's, that's what songs do. And like, that's what popular music does, like popular in the sense of, you know, when I was a kid, I remember hearing like the hurricane by Bob Dylan. And I couldn't believe that he was telling a true story and it was a song. Like that was so fascinating to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Storytelling seems really central to the way that you approach creating music. I've seen it in a couple of the songs on your EP as well, especially Sailing Waters, I know is trying to convey a certain sense of solace as well as Dog Days in LA about growing up in LA and leaving for Nashville. So that's very Uh apparent in the way that you write your music is trying to create something that's going to last with listeners and and carry them through a journey with you, maybe allow them to see their own experience through your music. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely like the dream and the goal is like to leave enough space in whatever you write for, for the person on the other side listening to find themselves in it. Um, I think that's kind of by definition what connecting is. And 
Um, not that like the whole way through you're consciously creating this space, but I think something intuitively in us as artists just kind of yearns to leave it there so that we can make a connection. I've listened through the, the EP, it's great. I really enjoyed it. I think Fine was my favorite song on the EP. Oh, cool. I liked, Fun. it was very energetic. <laughs> uh, I liked the way it yeah. picked up. Um, and then the Dirty Hippie song at the end. I wanted to ask <laughs> when, and this is kind of off like on a tangent. I wanted to ask when I first heard that song, I was like, is Dirty Hippie like something that you shouldn't say? Cause I, but then I was like, no, I think that's like using gypsy in a derogatory way. Yeah. But I'm so curious why the term Dirty Hippie came to be for that song. Yeah, it it is like a derogatory thing to say. And I actually, the reason I wrote the song is um, when I was a kid working in a skate shop, they used to call me Dirty Hippie. And I didn't even know that that was like mean or negative. And um, so just kind of like hearkening back to like really overdue shit that I never... <laughs> came to light. I worked with like a bunch of boys and I was the only girl working there. And like, they all called me dirty hippie cause I was like sensitive and creative and like, um, which is pathetic that that couldn't be embraced. You know, like that's kind of what this song is touching on. Mm -hmm. Owning that creativity and kind of making something out of it versus allowing somebody else to kind of push it down. Yeah. And like, um, it completely and like why why is that it's just funny to be around like an entire kind of like mob mentality of humans that like can't respect it and find it um something to bully or poke at you know it's like it's it's almost like it's so threatening that it like renders that kind of aggressive reaction from, from the, you know, like the, the boys that I was working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was when you were growing up in LA. What was, uh, uh, yeah, I, sorry. Yeah. I grew up in a suburb right outside. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like growing up in the suburbs outside of LA? Did it sounds like you felt stuck very often as a child? Yeah. I, um, you know, when I was in my early adolescence, I don't think I understood that I was stuck. I just felt it inside, but I had no kind of consciousness of it. Um, and then I, I didn't know I was, I don't think I really knew I was highly creative. I didn't have, um, kind of like the external mirroring of that from my family. Um, I then had, when I was 17, my English teacher, and that was my like kind of life changing moment where, um, he saw that sensitivity and was like that my friend is what's special about you. And I was like, Oh, like, are you talking to me? <laughs> it was just one of those moments where I just felt kind of golden and seen. And then that moment on, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Like, I think for a brief moment, because he was teaching English and he kind of touched me so much. I was like, I'll be an English teacher. But then, um, very soon right after that, I was like, no, I'm going to be a poet though. I'm going to do the, I'm going to write the stuff people are going to teach about. Right. Like that was my next thought. So at first you, 
you jumped to saying that you wanted to do poetry. How did that jump go from poetry to music? What made you make that switch? I um, had always loved music, never thought I could do it. I never sang, I never played an instrument growing up. I had no music classes in my school. I went to a private school, a Catholic school, and there was like no, um, no band or anything like that. Um, so, and there was nothing in my household. So, um, I was in my last year of college. I majored in literature with an emphasis of poetry. And then I met this like aging soul singer in Thai town, which is like East Hollywood. And he, it's kind of like a long story, but he was like in a wheelchair and I was getting paid to like go help him out and like help him clean up his little tiny apartment, which is above Harvard and stone, which is like, like a really cool hip venue, tiny venue, but like really cool to play. Everyone wants to play Harvard and stone. And so he lived above there. And so I was like, what am I getting myself into? And so I go, I clean his cleanup for him. And he's like a total character. Like I'm stunned by like our connection and I don't really know that much about him and as I'm cleaning I find these old vinyl records and cassette tapes with his name on it and I'm like huh and um like signed like all these like record like different records with under different labels like I see like produced by Barry White so this I'm like this is you and I take him home and he's like yeah yeah and he's like brushing it off and I take him home and so he sounded kind of like Marvin Gaye meets um Jackie Wilson. It was just like stunning. I was like, who is this person? And so I go back and he just essentially became a mentor. And, um, I was like, could you teach me how to sing? And he was like, had a moment of like, you don't want to do music. It's the hardest thing you could possibly get involved with. And I was like, I just want to like be good at it. You know? Um, he was like, and then that's kind of when he was like, okay, record yourself. And then that's when the, like, why do you sound so sad thing came and yeah, so I am a musician because of that encounter. That's a really awesome story. It's very, <laughs> I, I love when little encounters like that kind of change the directory, the trajectory of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a moment that seems so small actually can just have such a big impact on, on your identity and, and how you want to go about the rest of your life and your creative process. So I think that's a really awesome story. Thank you. Yeah. And um, was this was before or after you left LA? So, oh yeah, this is in LA. This in is LA. Like, okay. Sorry. I wasn't. Oh yeah. oh yeah. You said he was playing in West Hollywood. Yes. Um, yeah, this is all in LA. Yes. All right. So leaving LA where you spent most of your life leading up to a certain point for Nashville, it seems like it was a huge, but almost necessary adjustment. And it can be hard to distinguish yourself from a place when you've been part of it for so long, especially if it's had such a profound impact on your development just as a person and an artist. How has leaving the environment that you grew up in in the suburbs of LA for Nashville changed your creative process? Um, there's so much more flow now because um, I, as anyone knows, you gain perspective when you when you zoom out and you leave. So and I'd never left where I grew up. Like most people like leave to go to college, they'll go to an, a new city, a new state. I never had that. And so I, I remember just like driving away 
to Nashville, like on my, after everything was packed and like, like really like the, the like floodgates of my life just kind of opened up and I was like downloading just like so much clarity as I was even driving away. It was fascinating. Um, like didn't know that I didn't even know that that was, was coming for me. I just knew kind of like the change needed to happen. I had spent, um, almost two months in Nashville making my record and writing it throughout the pandemic. So that was really easy um, for me to know what Nashville was like. And I fell in love with it during that time. And like everyone, um, you do the the soul searching that was forced upon us um, in 2020 and 2021. And it was just such an easy no brainer to come here. Yeah. Did you write most of your EP after you've moved to Nashville then, or was that back when you were back in LA? Um, I would say everything was written before I moved to Nashville. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah. So yeah. that says a lot too about, especially like the songs dog days and LA it's kind that, of about, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I was just gonna say, and that was the last song we wrote for the record. And I was just like, that's when I was like, am I going to move? Cause I was like wa- listening to this song and I was like, God. And I was even just traveling here through the pandemic. I was getting that these, per- the perspectives, you know, like of my life, but I didn't even quite realize it until that song was written. I was like, wow. So hearing back dog days in LA provided that moment of clarity for you when you knew it was so much Yeah, time to, to get up and move and make a big change. That's great that the it's it kind of speaks to how powerful creating the song then is for you because it was able to see something that you weren't 100% seeing before creating the song yeah. or hearing it back. Um, yeah. And yeah, talking a bit about the the rest of the EP. So inner child work is about grappling with overdue emotional reckonings. There's a particular lyric in your track Sailing Waters that I thought stands out among the theme. It says, I'm not ready for the crossroads, but I can see one day I might be. I kind of got the sense from it, you know, while sometimes it doesn't feel huge in the moment, being able to recognize a future in which you're able to actually move through what's holding you back can can be a very monumental feeling. Um, How did you get to a place where you were able to look inward and really address these feelings that you had been holding onto for so long? How did I get to that place? I think, I think timing therapy, (laughs) I got my first therapist like almost three years ago, (laughs) um, change, um, um, change, I think was something I was never really taught how to handle. And so after working with, you know, my, my person, um, on my mental and spiritual and emotional health, um, I started learning how to handle change. And if you don't change, you know, you're just kind of dying, slowly dying inside. And, um, I, I think, you know, so much, everything that was overdue was change, you know, change, change of scenery, change of, changing, um, beliefs, um, you know, old beliefs, healing, drama, all, all, all of that. So 
yeah, I think doing the inner work and like really sitting with myself in the stillness. And I think like the most important thing I would say is like learning. I like, I never knew how to be friendly to myself at all. Like I was, I was not taught that and most people aren't. So I was, I've been learning how to do that. And that's probably the first step is like really, you know, loving yourself. Yeah. Going to therapy for sure is a, a big one too. I think it, I'm trying to think of what I was phrasing this as. Sorry. Um, no worries. Yeah. Cause you were saying you started going to therapy a few years ago before you started being able to look into these feelings. Um, yeah. Was therapy something that you had to, to, I don't want to say lean on cause lean on. I, I go to therapy. I think everyone should, can use therapy at times. Um, you can so, say lean on. I, I know. I feel like cool. leaning on therapy <laughs> is like, I don't know if there's a stigma attached to that, but my, what I was going to say is, did you feel like having therapy to lean on as you were writing and, and working through these emotions to create this EP was a really important part of being able to tell the stories that you wanted to tell? One gazillion percent. I don't, I wouldn't have this EP if I didn't start doing this work. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I, found someone that was like a jackpot for me that I work with. So, um, it's like my person and I know that that's not always the case for everyone. So like, I'm, I'm definitely like holding space for that reality, you know, but for me, 100 million gazillion percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important for creating music can be a really, or being, being a musician can be a very stressful career because it's hard to find a sense of routine sometimes because the music world moves so fast. Either you're playing shows or you're working on music or you're promoing. And uh, yeah. I think therapy and, and having a safe space that you can work through your emotions either within music or outside of it in with the professional can be very grounding as you're yeah. kind of releasing all these pent up emotions. Um, does it ever get difficult to give such honest depictions of your life in your songwriting when you know you're going to be sharing it with others? Um, no, not for me. <laughs> um, maybe one day it will. Um, I mean, look, in a way, sure, I guess you could say it. it's difficult. I think it's difficult if it's not connecting to people cause you're like burying your soul. But that's to me would be the only difficult part about it. If it's, if it's not really having a relationship with the, the public, you know, because then it's just like, okay, all right. I moving forward. That was just for me. <laughs> that was just therapy for me, I guess. <laughs> um, which is also not to be, you know, judged. It, that has a place in this world, you know? So if it's not for you first, there's no point anyway, because then it just wouldn't be authentic. But um, yeah, I, I would say that would be the only like difficult aspect of it. Otherwise being like honest and sharing the truth, I feel kind of like, I don't even know how not to, to do that. It feels good to do that. It's like, it feels cathartic to do that. Yeah. To lay it all on the table and that way yeah. you don't have to hold it on your own anymore. Exactly. I wanted to talk about, I had mentioned a lyric on, on Saline Waters. I wanted to just talk a little bit about Saline Waters. I had a, 
a lot of thoughts as I, I watched the music video and I read, I watched some of your TikToks that were talking about the song and, and what it meant to you. And it really is a song that aims to tell a story. And I know that you wrote it during a really, or I'm not sure if you wrote it in this exact time, but I know you wrote it about a really difficult time where you were experiencing this magnitude of loss of important people in your life. How did you support yourself through such overwhelming losses? And in what way did music play a role in this survival? I think it's, you know, I, I don't want to put like a dramatic black and white, you know, response, but it was a bit bit dramatic in terms of this question. I feel like knowing I could write about this is my kind of lifeline. So, um, and I almost like hearkening back to, cause I would write like little poems as a kid. And like when my parents got divorced, that's what I started doing and didn't really know what I was doing. It just was happening. And no one really said much around me. Like my mom saved them, I think, but she didn't, it's not like she ever said like, what, what made you write this? Or this is beautiful or this is dark. Like she just, you know, just acknowledged it and moved on kind of a thing. So when this happened and I had never really had death kind of slap me in the face, like, like it did in this, the year that like three people really close to me passed. Um, I was already starting to think about death. Um, even before the pandemic started, I was like, I have never, it was one of those things, like, I've never really thought about this. And, you know, like, as you get older and <laughs> you start thinking about it and, um, I was getting all these like zoomed out POVs and, and then all of this happened and, and it felt like this sounds really weird, but like there, there's a line in the song that says like listening to circle game for a year. Like I, which I don't know if you know that song, it's a Joni Mitchell song, but it's like a really lullaby like story of how humans are cyclical and just you know it's like beautiful but then they die and you don't want to but it's like the most beautiful version of that narrative and I was obsessed with it like for one year I listened to it every morning and I it was almost like water every day and I couldn't I was just utterly obsessed with it it made me feel better every day to hear that and this is even before the pandemic. And then the pandemic came and then, it, and then I had like the three deaths of people in my life. And I was like, I just felt like I was right on time with the universe preparing me for the change, like back to change, you know? And um, yeah, like writing a song about what is, you know, seemingly unfathomable, right? Like dying, like nobody knows what that's like, right? No one can come back and tell us what it felt like. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate change. And so for me, at least if I can write about it, it's almost like a friend is in the room. Now the song is here. And then that can be a friend if, if someone else wants to pick it up. And that is like the point of it all for me. Have you found connections with what has the response or your relationships been with fans? Yeah, I have. It's been so cool. Like... I had a 
someone walk into my show here in Nashville who was from LA and had just moved here. And they were just like, your song dog days in LA is so true. And I've had people like a lot of people have comment on the line on the second verse, which is like, it's, it's like, I met a girl in the Valley even helped her get a gig, but she doesn't remember my name. I meet her over and over again. <laughs> and like, of course that's a true incident instance. And I think everyone's been on that receiving end of, of knowing someone like that. But I think a lot of us have also been on the other end where we don't remember someone's name. So, um, but it, it just, it's, it happens a lot, I think in big cities, right. Because there's, there's just so many people. And, um, yeah, but I've had a, quite a few people just be like that line in the second verse and, um, saline waters has been more of a kind of this like yummy, mysterious response from people that has just been like, um, I just feel like the song's been this kind of like sort of a, a dreamy friend to, to people and like something that's, uh, that's dark, you know, and that is what the song is about. So it's kind of like the, the messages I've been getting from people, which have been, I, I love it. I love reading it. I love reading them. I love hearing hearing it all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It can help give a sense of purpose to creating the music, to know that it's resonating yeah. with other people. You know, what's funny is I, I was so sensitive as a child. And I remember at like five years old, like my just externals, like family and mom, and just like looking at me, like when I would have the emotions I had and they almost like looked at me like I was a freak or something. And, um, so there was something there that I, like some presence in me was aware of, like that I was different than them, even though they probably felt the same things, but just didn't show it, you know, but I never let that go kind of being made to feel like there was maybe something wrong with me. Not that I was, you know, like abused or anything like that, but just like not really understood, like kind of freaked them out, like, because what I was feeling was so palpable. So I'm saying what I'm saying is I remember at like five, I was like, I'm going to do something so great. And the way I am, which is like, you know, highly sensitive and emotional and like big feelings is going to be the thing that takes care of me. So I remember knowing that like as a kid, um, and then that's when, as a young teenager, being an artist, then I was like, oh, that's how I'm going to do that. 